You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 25 of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. I'm your host, Solace, and this week we are dubbing this Rise Seraphim. It's no surprise, no secret to anyone that 320 dropped on Tuesday, and it's been quite the story. So we will cover all things 320. We will actually get into Inside Star Citizen from last week and this week, so Cargo Career Part 1 and Part 2, because it is that important. I'm going to show you why this has been the most important Inside Star Citizen in a very, very, very long long time if we have time to squeeze it in we are also going to cover the lore makers q a that occurred on tuesday as well but i think our work is cut out for us <laughs> so um let's get into today's episode so first off thank you thank you for joining whether it is on podcasts whether it's on youtube we will hit over 2,000 listens on podcasts between now and next episode i can't thank you enough it's been a special trip 2,000 listens and 25 episodes i'll take it i mean that is an amazing feat and it's about you not necessarily about what i'm producing it's about you following along uh, and enjoying the content so thank you for that we also this past week uh, surpassed over 200 subscribers on YouTube. So again, I'm going to say thank you to those who end up watching the video replay uh, on Friday and beyond for the rest of the week. So it means a lot to me. I know we're doing something right. Uh, And again, it, it, uh, it it only projects upward from here. So I'm excited to see what comes of this show moving forward. Last week, if you haven't tuned in, we had an amazing conversation with special guest Afi. Uh, It was a great conversation. We covered a lot of things, Starfield, Baldur's Gate. We talked about a little bit of 320, but mostly Pirate Week, which we're still in. So go and enjoy all things Pirate Week. But if you haven't tuned in, if you haven't gone to YouTube and watched, if you haven't done the podcast, episode 24, Authenticity, is a phenomenal episode. Before we get into this episode, quick point of order. Um, I am making the command decision to not make this a live production moving forward. There's a couple of things in play there. One, this is always a been a podcast. It always has been a podcast, always will be a podcast that just so happens to dabble in the video. So I'll splice and I'll edit throughout the week and I'll throw it up on TikTok and it has 470 followers. So success is there, obviously on YouTube for replay. Um, It's it's a good model and we're going to follow that piece. The reason why um, I'm not going to commit moving forward to a live production uh, is because I'm a grown ass adult with two grown ass kids 
And uh, I don't know if I can commit to always being there on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. U.S. Central. And, And it is important to me not only to be a good, authentic journalist that always produces good quality, um, but I also I also believe that if you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, you need to be there at that time, right? Um, and with work and us going into Q4, this is a hot and heavy semester or season for Amazon employees, Obviously, <laughs> um, we've got what we call T5 or Turkey 5. So we have the five days of Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up that we got to plan for. Obviously, the December holidays. So I'm going to be busy, uh, let alone all the things that my kids will be doing. Uh, and obviously, my wife, who just got into dance, I'm super proud of her. Um, but she's doing her thing uh, a couple nights a week. So I want to make sure that my family has that priority. And I'll just produce when I can. But my promise to the listeners, my promise to the viewers will be Thursday night slash Friday morning. You will get your latest episode. I will, of course, broadcast everything I can. But you can expect by Friday at noon to have all things Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. So. I don't want to belabor that too much, um, but I do want to just make that an official announcement. So, um, yeah, quickly, as I'm talking through my family and what we're all doing, we're four weeks away from CitizenCon, and that blows my freaking mind. First off, we don't know what's happening in CitizenCon yet. Like, those of us who have tickets and plane tickets and you know, hotel stays, we don't know what we're going for. There's a, there's a couple of ideas out there. They've communicated a little bit. They've socialized a little bit um, of what we can expect, but there's not, there's not a lot of intel on what's happening four weeks away. So here's one of my predictions, which I'm like 0 for 5 in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if I should be predicting anything anymore. But um, my prediction is that we'll be seeing more CitizenCon updates this upcoming week, um, week 39 of the year, if not week 40 of the year as we get into uh, the last part of September, early October. So, all right, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to talk too much about CitizenCon and what I think is going to happen and what I think is going to drop. But we did have 320 drop. So I don't know. I think it's now is a really great time to get into it. But first, a word from our sponsors, potentially, because I found out that evidently uh, it's not 100% of the time. So Spotify advertisements will randomize when we have advertisements. Like I have re-listened to this podcast several times. Um, I've sometimes gotten the advertisement. Sometimes I haven't. I've had peers of mine reach out and say, hey, that was a weird moment when you said breaking for an advertisement and it didn't happen. So I, I, I probably won't preface it ever again. I'll probably just keep going and squeeze it in somewhere. So if this turns into an advertisement, uh, enjoy. This is one of the last ones for September, so we'll change it up when we get into October. But here we go. Advertisement? Question mark? All right, welcome back. I don't, I don't know. Did it happen? Let me know in the comments. Um, let's get into this week in Star Citizen. So I'm sharing my screen uh, differently. So on YouTube, I'm now doing like a screen, uh, like a, a side-by-side. 
I don't know. Let's hope it works. I'll look back on YouTube and if it doesn't work, at least the podcast is solid. So we'll go from there. Actually, first, let me just make sure my audacity is recording because that's happened before. All right. This week in Star Citizen, let's go. Hot and heavy. Avast there, Buccaneers. It's time to sharpen your cutlass and prepare to cast off for Pirate Week has docked in Stanton and booty awaits. Or, if you wouldn't call yourself a scallywag, lock and load to protect the good citizens of Stanton from the encroaching pirate threat. On September 21st, the battle for Stanton's infamous drug labs will reignite in the return of our Jumptown event. Show you've got what it takes to become a glorious captain, not just a bilge rat. For the saltiest sea dogs looking for real adventure, the Treasure Hunt Screenshot Contest can secure your ya bu- booty beyond measure. Okay, so last episode we've determined I can't read pirate. I it just the vernacular or what I'm actually like looking at at the screen just doesn't compute with my mind. So bear with me as I struggle through this. Um, back to the article. The contest ends Wednesday, September 20th, so make sure to dive in while you can. CitizenCon 2953, our biggest event so far, is a little more than a month away. If you haven't picked up your tickets yet, you can get them here, which there are still general access tickets available. I don't know why that surprises me to this day, so you can still go if you want to. Back to the article. And if you can't make it, don't worry, you can still catch the show live from the comfort of your own home on twitch.tv forward slash star citizen. Also, if you're planning to celebrate from home, make sure you get your hands on this year's exclusive digital goodies pack, which I don't think I ever talked about the controversy around that. I think a couple episodes ago, I alluded to it. I don't think I actually went into it. Um, Standby. We'll be sharing more details about the event later this week, so keep an eye out. We can't wait to see you there. Last but not least, on the Alpha 320 front, if all sails smoothly today, which was Monday, we're targeting to release the live servers tomorrow, which was Tuesday. If you haven't yet, set your course towards the iconic Port Olisar tonight to secure a memory and a Spectrum badge. Uh, yeah, let me finish and then I'll go to the goodies pack and I'll just cover that quickly. But let's go to this week in, um, in Star Citizen. One second. I've gotten really good at my cough lately, so I think I'm about to kick it. Hopefully that's one of maybe four or five times I need to do that. So here we go. Monday, this week in Star Citizen. Tuesday, lore post, Galactopedia update. Wednesday, the August 2023 Squadron 42 report, which was a comm link. Roadmap update, roadmap roundup, which we will cover quickly. Thursday, the Jumptown dynamic event starts, which is today, the night of the recording. Inside Star Citizen, we had the Cargo Career Part 2, which again, tonight, we're going to cover Part 1 and Part 2. Friday, tomorrow, we're going to be covering... we won't be covering, but Friday there is a Star Citizen Live, uh, again, twitch.tv forward slash Star Citizen, along with a weekly newsletter in your mailbox. So there you have it, weekly updates from Star Citizen. Okay, let's talk about the controversy real quick. And I, I don't want to give this too much clout, but the controversy is um, that you're having to pay for digital goodies. Now, we've had the mask or the ruse of COVID-19 that has impacted a lot of experiences, um, 
but namely for <clears throat> excuse me namely for star citizen um they've been kind of giving away those those goodies for free or kind of you know hey if you watch the stream you're gonna have access you know to these goodies but this is like the first time they're really charging and i think it's like 35 dollars <sighs> bear with me i owe y'all um I owe y'all clarity, so let me just get into the comm link. For those of you on YouTube, let me give you something aesthetic to watch. All right, so inside Star Citizen, I'm doing this. This is happening. Good loud. Maybe I shouldn't have shared my screen. Why does this look like this? This is horrible. All right, this week in Star Citizen, we just covered this, but there was a link here. Digital goodies pack, here we go. Uh, come on, load, load. Yep, $35. I should have went with my gut. I know more than I think I do. $35, the Citizen 2953 Digital Goodies Pack. A couple episodes ago, we talked about what goes in it. But again, I'll, there's some individuals rubbed wrong, the wrong way that they're charging $35 for these digital goodies. Comes with the price of the ticket, so if you're going to go, cool. Um, you're going to get those anyways, but... I don't know. I, I will always promise to report the news. I will give you kind of the different color that's happening on social media. At the same time, I don't necessarily want to give it entertainment um, if it's not worthy, if it doesn't have a lot of clout. So let's move on. Okay. So the namesake for today's podcast, we're calling it Rise Seraphim. Um, and that, of course, is homage to the patch 320 and the riddance of Port Olasar and the replacement for Seraphim Station. So let's just go through 320 and all the things that have changed uh, for, I would say, the better. There's nothing about this patch that I disagree with. It's been it's been great up to this point. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the logistics of it first. So Tuesday morning, I, I do my like risky post on social media. I'm like, hey, happy 320 day. Of course, that gives me anxiety the entire day because I've been wrong like every time for the past month. But it actually came to fruition that night. They released it. So good to go there. So I went in Tuesday night and jumped in and I did all the things I promised. I was I made uh, Crusader or Orson. I made that my home and immediately went straight to Seraphim Station, put all of my ships or claimed all of my ships to Seraphim Station, went to bed, and then I made that my, my virtual, my region point. So like, I guess my virtual home or my temporary home. Um, enjoyed all the things i was able to fly around in the whole sea um, had some great interactions there a couple of glitches a couple of kind of issues animation issues nothing big nothing game breaking but the whole sea was amazing i went in and i melted my fury and fury mx used those credits in order to get the new fury lx it's it's a beast that that Fury LX is friggin' amazing. It, it's amazing. Um, recommend if you're into racing, go get it. Um, that not having a quantum drive does actually make sense. We'll touch about we'll, we'll touch on the article in the Q and A here in a second. But it is a great great ship, and we chose this image to highlight our thumbnail, so you'll see it on YouTube uh, as well. So I had a really great time there. Uh, Wednesday. So Wednesday happened. 
Um, I still don't know why. And I did my due diligence. I, I did research and I, I looked where I knew to look, but there were your typical server issues. So again, Tuesday night, perfect. Uh, Wednesday morning, perfect. But something happened Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, and the servers were lit on fire. Um, and let me, okay. I sent a tweet. I'm always gonna be real with my tweet. I'm never gonna sugarcoat things. I'm not gonna fanboy. I'm gonna give you my honest opinion and how I approach certain situations. So my tweet that went out and it got four or 5,000 reactions or impressions. So, you know, whatever, somewhat viral if you want to. Um, but it got good attention. It, uh, it simply said like, hey, uh, 320, like as expected is, is, doing pretty, uh, is doing pretty rough tonight. So I suggested that, you know, hey, if you're gonna progress the main story quest in Starfield, now's the time, take a break, give it a day, give it a night for the servers to cool off and calm down a little bit. Um, and then come back to it on, you know, on Thursday. And I think it was received for the most part pretty well, but I did get some comments back that was like, hey, you know, this is how Star Citizen is. It's always been this way. Like, you need to do your research and know that batches, you know, come with, with fire. I, I know, I do a freaking podcast on this. I, I know, <laughs> I know batches come with its complications. All I said was like, do yourself a favor, grown ass adults, and play another game. So you don't go through and try to move equipment or try to complete quests and you can't, and then you get butt hurt and go on to freaking social media and cry about it, right? Like just save yourself the drama and go play another game. Cyberpunk's about to come out with its expansion. Go play a, a couple missions of Cyberpunk, I don't know. But don't sit there and like take a crap on this game knowing that this happens every single patch. It's okay, it's okay, take a breath. Take a breath, take a step back, detach yourself from the emotions. Uh, but that was like the point of my tweet. Um, but Wednesday night was, it was rough. It was rough. A lot of my friends, a lot of the people in the organization, other content creators, you know, weren't able, you know, to do anything in game. So they weren't able to make their videos. Um, and then I had some friends that had the 30K or the black screen of death is what I'm personally calling it. But 30K, 90K, 60K, whatever it is. Um, it's that, you know, you can't log in glitch or issue. It happened. And I think that's, again, it's okay. Today I jumped in, today's Thursday. I jumped in and it was fine again, right? Like, I don't know, let's, let's see what, uh, let's see what the current state is. So here we go, status. This is status.robertspaceindustries.com, current state operational. I'm seeing green across the board. Operational, the platform's operational, persistent universe is operational, the electronic access is operational. Then if you wanna go research like what happened before, this actually went down a couple hours ago, um, but if you wanna look and see what happened, they're very vocal and very transparent with what's going on in the servers. So I don't know, I, I uh, this is actually significantly better than what we experienced with 3.18. At the same time, 318 was when we introduced the persistent entity streaming. Of course, the shit's gonna break. Of course, the tower's gonna fall, right? Like, we knew 318 was gonna be rough. This has actually not been that bad. It's not been that bad. And to paraphrase Jake Bradley, um, they made mention that uh, they had to push 
this forward because it was starting to interfere with the QA efforts from subsequent patches. So 320.1 and so on, right? So they had to push it forward in order to hit timelines. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. There's going to be members of the community that are going to be mad because uh, it didn't come out in enough time. Like I was a little bit upset. It didn't come out a week ago because it was the start of Pirate Week. Arena Commander had the new Pirate Swarm, so whatever. I voiced my opinion on the last episode. Um, but then if we waited for a quote-unquote stable state in October, we would be upset that 320 was so delayed. Uh, it, Star Citizen will continue and always be um, a damned if you do, damned if you don't game. Now, a little asterisk, a little like footnote to what I just said. Some of it is uh, their own fault alpha for 11 years it's going to bring that sentiment um to the table but i think for those of you listening to this podcast you know my place and how i stand and how i feel um, about the 11 years let it take 20 years no shits to give nothing no concern on my end i want them to take as long as they need to in order to not make this just another game that gets passed up in a couple years this needs to be persistent um, for at least the rest of my gaming life. I would love to pass this off to my kids, right? All right, enough of that. Let's get into the 320 drop and what exactly it is. Um, these links, again, will be in the notes of the YouTube video and on Spotify, pod well, all podcast platforms. So here we go. Dive into explosive action across a seamless universe. Head into the verse to explore the most action-packed update yet. Whether you're hauling vital cargo, the length of the system, tackling alien hordes, exploring new locations, or risking it all for a place on the podium, Alpha 320 is packed with new adventures. They're dubbing this fully loaded. Um, and, and just before I, I go on in, in, into like more of this content, I would say fully loaded because almost every aspect of the game has changed or has been updated, and it's super impressive, right? It's very impressive. So first off, the whole C, and, and we will get to all these subsequent articles here in a second, but the whole C, legendary cargo hauler, revered empire-wide for its effortless intersystem hauling abilities, the four crew misc whole C is a true titan of industry. And there's this awesome gif if you're on uh, YouTube, you're seeing it, but this thing is a beast. It is huge, and, and it's huge before it it um, it expands into what you're seeing here. So when it's compact, um, it's already big, but you're able to expand it, and that's where the cargo grids deploy. It's super. Uh, it actually, it's actually really well done. It actually looks like it could be happening in real life. Like it's not just materializing out of nowhere. You can see where the bars and the posts and the, the engineering aspects are actually moving and fitting inside of the ship. It is an insane animation. So if you haven't seen it, go, go watch, ex experience it. It's amazing. Next, back to the article. Arena Commander Racing. And I'm gonna cough real quick. And I'm gonna drink some Radagast. Take a little Radagast break. Mmm. I don't know if that ASMR aspect on the podcast is going to come out. But man, that was amazing. So Old Forester, real quick, complete aside. 
Old Forester is one of my favorite bourbons. I highly recommend the Statesman. Okay. Back to the article. Arena Commander Racing. Updated racing mode. The all-action Arena Commander game module gets its biggest ever update in Alpha 320. Speed Freaks of the Verse. That just read really weird. Um, Speed Freaks of the Verse can chase lap times on all new circuits alongside the official addition of four community favorite tracks. We'll get into the Arena Commander here in a second. My personal favorite, even over Seraphim Station... My personal favorite addition, the Fury LX. And I did not think I was going to like it this much, but it is, it's like the Ford Shelby GT 500 on steroids. It's crazy. And the paint job just looks amazing. It looks like a racing vehicle. Um, they did really, really well on this ship. To the article. Racing variant of the Mirai Fury Snub. Mirai builds on the success of its Fury Snub fighters with the LX, a zero compromise racer, racer built for performance. That's also a subsequent article that we'll get into for Q&A and all that fun stuff. Arena Commander Combat, and we're only halfway through this. Arena Commander Combat, improved ship and FPS combat modes. From Tank Royale to Endless Vandal Swarm, Arena Commander's combat update adds explosive new modes that get you straight into the action. Physicalized cargo updates, new cargo sizes, and whole sea updates. Alpha 320 brings the new, or about a new cargo functionality to include support for the newly released Miskol C with automated cargo loading at low Earth orbit. That's what LEO stands for low earth orbit stations as well as improvements to the cargo placement systems and grids in ships to support various size boxes up to 32 scu and different orientations of placements moving on criminal salvage ship cover-up debut of outlaw salvage missions this all-new mission challenges free-spirited players with stripping the hull of a definitely not stolen ship that coincidentally needs its identity erasing before the advocacy turns up now i have yet to do any salvaging period so i have zero reactions to salvaging but i will between now and the next podcast i will do some salvaging I need to figure this out. I need to, I want to enjoy it. Let's go. And Seraphim Station, the actual namesake of, of this episode. So Rise Seraphim, this is where it's coming from. Seraphim Station, introducing the Seraphim Station as I cough. Hold on. Introducing uh, the introduction of Seraphim Station. One of Star Citizen's earliest locations is being updated. Really, it's been deleted, but... Seraphim Station now hangs in orbit above Crusader in place of Port Olisar, offering everything a pilot needs before they begin an adventure. Everything but Dumper's Depot. I did not see Dumper's Depot when I was exploring Seraphim Station, and that makes me sad. It hurts my one feeling I still have. All right, Alpha 320 ship offers one out of 16 vehicles. Um... Yeah, so I kind of wanted to go through the pledge store, but let's go and go through 16 vehicles. And I do this really fast. I've done this on other episodes. I'm going to go very quickly through the 16 vehicles. Here we go. <clears throat> How fast can I do this? Let me cough. <coughs> let's go. The 350R, <clears throat> the Dragonfly Black, 
the Fury, the Fury LX, the Fury MX, the whole A, the whole C, M50, Mustang Gamma, the Nova Tank, the Knox, P72 Archimedes, the Razor, the Razor EX, the Razor LX, and the Reliant Tana. I wouldn't mind if the Reliant series just went away, just disappeared. It's uh, it's an ugly, ugly ship, uh, but my two cents. So there you have it, uh, 320 in a nutshell. And I feel like the game just feels like it launched a bunch more. It feels like this has been an overhaul of basic mechanisms and new areas to explore. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's been nice. The two times so far this week that I've been able to get into 320 have been amazing. It's been amazing. So here's a little bit of uh, additional content I wanted to get into that maybe some of you don't have access to. So I'm going to show you all the pledge store from a concierge perspective. So again, out of all my listeners, I uh, have spent $1,000 or more on this game. So I will do it for you. I will show you the pledge store through my lens. So here we go. You want to take that vacation? in Q4 this year? <laughs> no. Instead, you could spend $1,900 on the whole series pack. The whole series pack, $1,950. will give you the whole A, the whole B, the whole C, the whole D, the whole E, lifetime insurance, and the VFG industrial hangar. All for, you know, again, $1,950. But that's okay. If you don't have that much to spend, it's on Warbond for $1,775. So you could either go on that vacation, you could get your significant other that wedding band before you propose to them, or you could get four ships. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there are your two, your two cargo, or your two concierge uh, packs that dropped. Very expensive, about 2000 a apiece. Um, let's get into other things. The other concierge, you got this racing team pack plus, uh, the racing team pack plus Black Star Paint, $510. This is the Fury LX, Fury LX serial number? Question mark? What in the heck is a Fury LX serial number? Interesting. The Fury Black Star Paint, the Hercules Starlifter C2, the Razor, Lifetime Insurance, VFG, uh, Industrial Hanger. What is the Fury LX serial number? I owe y'all a tweet in the next couple of days after I deep dive what it means by serial number. I wonder if that's the same as like naming your ship, like a unique identifying number that says like this LX is special and unique to you as the owner. That's the only thing that I could think of. Alrighty, I think that's all of like the, well, you got like the concierge, like the Fury LX six pack, which I don't know why you need six like racing vehicles. That, that doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Uh, I think that's it for all the concierge. Uh, the Fury Triad Pack. Actually, that, that's actually not a bad deal. So there is a Fury Triad Pack plus Black Star Paint uh, combination, and that's your LX-MX, your regular Fury, or your baseline, uh, all for $140. So at least at least that one sort of, sort of makes sense. So, 
yeah, I, I just wanted to get into the, I wanted to get into that $2,000 package. Um, I would always be curious just how many of those that sells in the event of 320. Super interesting. By the way, the whole E, let me cough. So the whole E, that's going to be interesting. So the whole D is in Delta, the whole E is in Echo. Those don't have landing gear. So it's going to be interesting to see that play loop. It's going to have to um, go to a Leo and pull its cargo, but basically Leo to Leo. There's no way you're going to be able to go to a, well, that's not necessarily true. Like, I wonder if you could go to a mining facility um, and just hover. I wonder if you can hover close enough where it counts as you being physically there. So this is where I'm, <laughs> you guys are seeing into my beautiful mind. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter because you could hover above the landing ground and by that time, they will have the tractor beam set up where you could theoretically load with your tractor beam cargo from the mining facilities onto the whole E, which would be ridiculous because you're going to cover up the entire you're going to cover up the entire landing area with that ship. Um, but you could in theory. Or I could be wrong. Let's hear your thoughts in the comments below. <laughs> uh, Alright, let's keep going. Uh, so the Arena Commander update. So first off, I hope you enjoyed the concierge piece. I know my brother tends to ask, which he just got concierge, so you know, congratulations there, buddy. Uh, but before he got concierge, he'd always he'd always ask me, hey, can you sh share your screen and show me like what concierge is seeing as like, you know, deals and stuff. So all right. Alpha 320 Arena Commander updates. I don't necessarily want to belabor this too much. I I'm gonna read like the headlines. I'm not gonna get into each paragraph because we have covered this in previous episodes. So please feel free, go and and uh, watch those previous or subsequent or prequel episodes. All right, here we go, new maps. Uh, well, I hope it gives me, I hope it gives me uh, titles. Yeah, I guess it does if I do this. Okay, so Security Post Korea, that's one of my favorites. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play that as much as I can. That is super awesome. It is the, um, where you go and you get your crime stat taken away if you have one of the, oh, dang it, the USB cards that you go and you use to, to strip away your crime stat, whatever. <laughs> brain fart in the middle of podcast uh whatever that is so security post korea the ins jericho that was a cool story i talked about a couple episodes ago but really just running into this without even trying was amazing it was a lot of fun winner's circle icebreaker the snake pit yadar yadar valley either or miner's lament and the haloran circuit which i've seen the haloran circuit advertised by Star Citizen in almost every platform, every media. So that looks like it'd be a lot of fun as well. This also had um, kind of a, a front end, not to like just read off the screen. It also had like a user interface update on like what the lobby looks like. Um, it's a lot more user friendly. It's a lot more all encompassing. Let me just read it real quick. Um, 
Electronic Access Arena Commander and Star Marine have merged under a single Arena Commander front-end menu. So it's, again, like I said, all-encompassing. This new front-end, powered by building blocks, unifies the various simulation module brands and menus into a single easy-to-use interface. Included in this significant refactor, I, I always, I want to say refractor, it's not. Every roadmap update, I've always stumbled over that word. It's a refactor. Included in this significant refactor or refactor is a complete rewrite of Arena Commander's lobby system, which now allows you to squad up with people directly from your friends or party list with new squad limits per game mode. That's been a long time coming. That seems like a pretty basic, a pretty uh, expected function. So that's going to come very well. Um, it's going to be received really well by the community. Moving on, spawning and loadout module, refactor, <laughs> experimental modes. There's also an achievement, by the way. Um, completing each experimental mode will give you a badge or will give you a title, um, which I don't know if I want to get into that, but there are some new achievements that Arena Commander has unlocked. So stand by there. Uh, the experimental modes, here we go. Gun Rush, Tank Royale, Team Tank Battle, single weapon elimination and mirror match there you go master modes there's flight model changes endless vandal swarm which again one of those uh achievements is if you hit the 25th cycle or the 25th round you'll get um another badge uh or another title so endless vandal swarm uh, man, I'm going to go quickly through this. Additional system and balance changes. Competitive scoring, death cameras, lobby recovery, new loading screen flow, pickup balance, med pins, objective UI and scoreboard updates, lethal takedowns, entitlement, refactor, and communal vehicles. Wow. So huge. That in and of itself could probably be its own patch update. And let's face it, like not everybody plays Arena Commander, but you should. I was that person several, several episodes ago. I admitted to never once touching Arena Commander. I had touched it once because I wanted my Pirate Gladius, Gladius, Gladius. I wanted my Pirate Gladius. And so I, I went in there, I did my thing and got my Gladius. Never went back. But since watching the Inside Star Citizen on the updates on Arena Commander and what it brought to the table, I have played the hell out of it. And it's actually nice. It, it's actually nice to go in there with no repercussions. There's no penalty from going into Arena Commander. You can die as many times as you want. You're not losing gear. You're not losing your ships. It has zero impact on the Persistent Universe. So if you want to go and you have like 30 minutes to play and you just want to you want to get straight into a dogfight, you can. You don't have to log into a, you know, your bed and walk across Sarah from station and call on your ship and fly 30 minutes like this is the quickest way to get in and get out and have a great time playing Star Citizen. So I recommend Arena Commander. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Moving on. We're like 40 minutes into this podcast. We need to get going. All right, the whole C. Here we go. Coffin. And I'm back. 
whole C enterprise level cargo hauler. Um, so I don't I don't want to go through every single one of these articles. Um, this is huge. It is long. What I wanted to do was just kind of scroll through and show you each one of these pages. I recommend if you are interested in one of these topics to go and do this yourself. There's trailers and features and gallery and spec information. There's a lot to dive into this, uh, but it, there's diagrams, right? So if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing it, but there's diagrams of like where you should fly and which system and, and your path you should take recommendations. It's actually a really good infographic. And you know me, I'm, I'm huge into infographics. This is a good one. Again, there's there's videos that you can watch. Um, there's a contest that I'm going to get into here in a second. There's great images that you can save. So here is like a database to save photos. Um, let's see, the, there's four of them. The first one, it's flying across the top of a planet. Uh, looks like it's heading toward. It's above Crusader. It's heading towards Seraphim Station. It's full of its connexes or its 18 wheeler cargo holds. Um, that's actually what your whole sea looks like. That, that is what it looks like when you have it fully loaded. So great graphics, great images. In the next page, you can see it loading. Um, it looks like it's loading on and off of a, a Leo, right? Or an orbital station. Um, there is, so it doesn't look like this whenever you are loading onto your ship. As of now, as it's at this current moment, you're flying into like a a box like a, a green box and it's kind of auto loading uh, we might get into that here in a second we might not but it's just a different it's a different load experience but eventually eventually you will be loading cargo physically with your tractor beam right you could do it automated and the whole Inside Star Citizen is going to show you and talk about it, um, which again, we are going to watch both. So we are, we at least have 30 minutes left. Uh, let's go. We, we have a lot here. Um, so there's an inside, inside of the whole sea, there's pictures of uniforms. Um, again, another picture on the outside showing basically loading the cargo, but from the other angle. Let's keep going. So you can see on my screen, dynamic spindle loading, uh, kind of the engineering of how it's laid out and how it works. So I'm going to stop here halfway through. I'm going to stop here for the sake of the podcast. There is just a lot of visuals. There's a lot to go through, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. There's a Q&A for this. So the next page that I'm sharing now... Um, yeah, Q&A, just like there was for the Loremakers Q&A, there's a question that was proposed and their official approved response to those questions. I personally did not uncover any like gold nugget, anything that absolutely needed to be addressed on this podcast, but just good information overall about the whole C. Cool. All right, let's go. Let's keep moving. Um, the whole C advertisement contest. So I think this is important to call out for a podcast, uh, but there is a contest and it's hidden. Um, I think it's hidden kind of behind uh, Spectrum. It's kind of mentioned in one of the articles, but it's hidden. So here it is. I'm telling you on this podcast, on this YouTube replay to participate. So all you do is you take a template that is provided. So it's a little different. It's a little different. You take a template that is provided and you edit it. And then you submit your creations to the community hub uh, or on Twitter or on both, right? Just make sure you hashtag star citizen. So 
I'm not necessarily going to read through the contest rules, but again, you're using one of the templates that I provided. That's like the curveball that I think we, we need to like call out. But the prizes. The first place prize is, I mean, shocker, the Misk Hole C in game ship with LTI. The second place is the Crusader Mercury Star Runner with LTI. And the third place is the Misk Hole A in game ship with LTI. Don't really know where the Crusader Mercury Star Runner fits into this conversation. It's kind of a random second place win. Um, but why and why not? It's not Misk. It's not one of the holes. It's not even a cargo ship. Uh, it's a data running ship. But anyways, so there you go. I think that's important to call out. And then here we go. So introducing the Mirai Fury LX. Um, I wish I had time. Um, I wish I had time to go through all of this, but I'm choosing not to because there's more value in the Inside Star Citizen videos. But the racing vehicle, the Mirai Fury LX, is absolutely phenomenal. From the lighting scheme, the design language overall, of course, the visibility is amazing on this ship. And if you're watching on YouTube, just that rendering of it like rotating tell it's proving my point it's extremely well done um but again the paint schema is what blows my mind the rest of it kind of reminds me of the rest of the the mirais uh, the, the rest of the furies but the lx just man i feel like that is that is the original purpose of the fury i feel so well done so well done so go and get it um, and then the paint jobs that you can put over it which I, I don't know I struggle with that the paint job is so well done on its default like I almost feel bad putting the black star paint on the black star paint is great I mean it basically replaces the blue with black right so it still has the the, the red logo it still has the white accent it just makes the blue base into a black base um, but it just, I don't know, that blue is very Ford Shelby GT500. It's that, it's that racing color in my mind. But like I did with the other, um, with the whole C, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move on despite my feelings. There's a Q&A section, so go through the QA if you're, you know, totally interested in it. Uh, I do think the first question is super awesome. What is the smallest ship the Fury can fit in? The Drake Cutlass Black. <laughs> that, that is a tight fit. That is a tight fit, um, though the consolidated Outland Nomad can also fit one in its rear cargo bay. How in the world does it fit into a Nomad? Let's keep going. Uh, there's a welcome back pilot. So, you know, we talked a couple episodes ago, we talked about um, marketing events and how it's the WAR acronym, win back, uh, acquire, retain. Um, so this, along with this push of 320, this is clearly a win back. Um, of welcome back pilot. So for those individuals who have taken a, a, a hiatus and haven't played Star Citizen in forever, uh, there's a whole article here, a whole um, effort to like bring you up to speed. So it talks about 320, 319, 318, 317, 316, and 315. So those updates and what you possibly have missed since patch 315. So I thought that was I thought that was a great. Um, I think that's a great thing to do. It, it doesn't, they're not creating anything new, but it's that summary, the summation of what they've been able to accomplish. I believe 315, if I'm not mistaken, was beginning of this year or late 
No, I joined. Did I join at 317? I want to say 315 was like late 2022. I forget which patch I joined. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I think it's a great, it's an effortless um, thing to do for those players that are coming back that really does kind of help make them feel included. Let's keep going. The last thing about 320 that we'll get into is HDR support. I'm not going to get into any of this. Uh, HDR, high definition resolution, or high dynamic range, excuse me. Um, high dynamic range is this like contrast between black and white. It makes the blacks darker and makes the whites brighter. Um, we're now introducing that, or CIG is now introducing that into Star Citizen. So there's a great Spectrum article. I'm showing it on my screen now. There's a great Spectrum article about what settings you should consider changing. Um, I mean, it gives you even like, quote, if you have a display with low peak brightness, like an HDR 400 monitor, do this. So like, it's a good article to help you through that. I personally don't have anything that's HDR, so this doesn't benefit me in any way, but more than likely newer systems out there, if you're playing Star Citizen on a newer system, um, you might have the ability to take advantage of the high dynamic range addition. Okay, so that's 320. That is the namesake, and we're like 50 minutes into this podcast. Um, 320 has been great. Just to summarize, 320 has been great. It's been one of the largest patches that I've experienced since playing um, Star Citizen since last last Invictus, like two Invictuses ago, last year's Invictus. Uh, it's been great. And I love the ships that came out. I love the additions of cargo hauling. Like that is to me, um, what I play this game for is the exploration and the cargo aspect of it. So I'm a happy camper. I, I'm happy with everything that they did this patch and can't wait for 320.1. So speaking of 320.1, see what I did there? A beautiful segue into the roadmap roundup. Here we go. Let's get dirty. Notable changes for September 20th. So the Argo SRV, that is a surprise. That is an announcement that we haven't seen before up to this week. But the Argo SRV, building, implementing, and balancing Argo's tugboat. The SRV as a game-ready vehicle. Boom. There you go. So you know the Argo MPUV? I think it's the Argo, the Argo PUV. The personnel carrier, the cargo carrier, and now what they're calling the tugboat. Um, so we know of three. I know of three Argos. So that's going to be exciting. Didn't expect it. Another very, very, very important thing, the vehicle tractor beams. Implementing tractor beams attached to ships, either remote operated or a turret-like attachment. These al or This allows players to move and tow bigger objects, including other ships. This is gonna be huge. In my opinion, it's gonna be huge for helping load like a whole C, especially the whole Delta and the whole Echo. Um, it's gonna be very important to help with that. As you fly around, you can take your ship and put the cargo, you know, using that instead of like EVAing your slow ass <laughs> uh, around your ship with a tractor beam, uh, a handheld tractor beam. So I think it's gonna be a good, a good update. And then last, so the progress tracker, um, the Origin G12. So again, another surprise, another ship that we're talking about in this update. The Origin G12 is their ground vehicle. It's it's like their version of a gray cat. Um, but it's, again, it's of course it's sexy because it's Origin. 
I'm going to love it. It's going to be amazing. But building, implementing, and balancing Origins wheeled ground vehicle, the G12, as a game-ready vehicle. So there you go. Roadmap Roundup. And again, to reiterate, it is exciting that we're talking about more ships. That is the constant feedback I'm hearing from the community. So where are my ships? You promise over 200, 300, however many ships they've promised. It's nice to see some of these come to fruition. It's still not a capital ship. <laughs> so I know there's going to be comments in my threads uh, about, hey, where's my Javelin? Where's my Kraken? Where's my Banu Merchant Man? I, Roger, I get it. I get it. But we are seeing ships come to fruition which is nice okay let's move on let's get into inside star citizen um man we are so late into the podcast but listen this is so important um i'm i'm i'm, I'm even gonna like x out of the lore makers community questions we put we'll potentially cover lore in the next episode but the Inside Star Citizens Cargo Career Part 1 and the Cargo Career Part 2 are so important that I will dedicate the next 30 minutes to watching and reacting. It is very important for you to listen. Um, go and watch it. By all means, go and watch it. Please watch it You know, on my channel. That'd be awesome. Um, but if you're listening to this podcast, listen to what they say. It is huge. And don't just listen to the um the cargo side of it listen to the implications like what they're inferring about the rest of the game it is huge and it's layered y'all ready let's let's get into this let me turn the volume down didn't even do any pre pre-recording here so let's just let's just make this happen and and, uh, and see what happens here we go in looking at the way that our teams are structured, especially after the Montreal merger with Turbulence, we decided to combine uh, USPU as well as Montreal PU into NAPU. NAPU stands for North American Persistent Universe. NAPU is the regroupment of three different cities. In order to kind of create a, a super team that gives them a lot of coding firepower as well as design firepower. NAPU is really a collection of people from Austin, from LA, from Montreal. We're all just getting together to try to make some amazing new features for Star Citizen PU. So that includes physicalized cargo, in-game shops, and newer features that we're looking into, such as exploration. We're working on mostly currently cargo and things regarding that. Um, we recently finished work on the Hall C. NAPU was formed in order to work on larger feature sets for Star Citizen so that those features have the time and resources required to deliver them at the quality level that we want to see. NAPU includes several engineers, production, and QA. We have uh, six different programmers, actually. We have a few that are in LA, and then we have a few more in Austin. Right now, that includes James, Mitch, Kevin, myself, as well as Preston on production, and Annalicia uh, in QA. Did I say everyone? We have two, Matthew and Emma, that are here in Montreal. Yes, I think I got them all. So at this point, a lot of what we're working on is still in the design phase. I would say in the technical design and planning phase, but yeah. There's a lot of uh, TDD, like technical design document going on, preparing the, the feature and all the parts. There's a lot of uh, work uh, in that area. 
An advertisement? Ugh. Actually, what's funny is like, this is an advertisement for Zazzle. I use Zazzle, so free advertisement for whoever's listening. Zazzle's the phenomenal website, zazzle.com. The North Sorry, American let's go back. <laughs> Universe team are currently at the forefront of the next major evolution of cargo, hangar, and related inventory systems. And as their work begins to enter the PU over the next three to six to nine months and beyond, all building to what we hope will collectively become a true cargo career, we here at ISC, well, we didn't want to wait to begin telling the story. As much like the engineering and resource management systems of the EUPU team, this work promises to be utterly transformative to the overall Star Citizen experience. So these next two shows, well, they're gonna be a bit different than normal. That's because we're not gonna have anything to dazzle your eyeballs with just yet. Yes, the ISC gameplay capture team, as great as they are, well, we're gonna let them take a break this week as we let members of the NAPU team take you through the design and intention of their current work in a two-part special we're calling Design Brief Cargo Career. The focus of NAPU and the foreseeable future is going to include features such as freight elevators and instance hangars, as well as persistent hangars. Freight elevators are one of the biggest changes to cargo that we've seen in the entire history of the game. They bring the feature from being something that's somewhat magical to something that's physical. It adds friction, but also a gameplay experience around hauling cargo in our game. This one addition, I think, is going to change not just cargo, but also the way that we interact with everything else in the game, inventory, player items, purchases, ship items. It's a fundamental change to how players are going to deal with the world. There it is. That right there is the value proposition of the Inside Star Citizen Design Brief Cargo Career Part 1 and Part 2. It literally impacts everything in this game. Please continue to pay attention. Here we go. Freight elevators are going to be implemented as an access point inside of player hangars. Where the player can interface with cargo to get it ready to put it on their ship. And you'll use a kiosk to interact with the freight platform in order to call things up from your inventory or to put things into your inventory. The way that the freight elevators are going to be implemented is actually using the same technology as we use for the cargo grids and the ships. Players will be using their tractor beams in order to detach things from the platform and then haul it onto their ship and vice versa. They'll be using the tractor beams in order to detach things from the cargo grids and put them onto the freight platform. And that's that's why I kind of went through my weird moment earlier of like a hovering hull E. Like you should be able to load and unload a hull E in atmosphere that's hovering a couple feet above the landing zone, should be. I think that this is going to make the whole experience feel a lot more tactile and organic, as well as there's a lot of fun and interesting gameplay around just how you stack things, how you sequence them, take a group of people, decide how you're actually going to load things together. It's like that time that you go and move with a U-Haul and your friends, you got to figure out where to put the couch, but in-game. It's going to be figuring out where do we take that big box, where do we put the, the ship items, where do we put the guns, and try to sequence it in a way that's both optimal as well as, I think, fun. We don't just want to have the feature you know, exists uh, in a void. Really what we want to try and do is 
work with the whole scope of the game to support cargo. So this is something for outposts, uh, for UGF, where we want to look at how do we really take advantage of cargo in these spaces. However, it does mean that the outposts will also support the same manual loading process that the hangars and those other locations use. So not only are you participating in cargo, you know, in a hangar, in a station, but out in the verse as well at an outpost. And while freight elevators will be available throughout locations in the Persistent Universe, much of the work involved in manually loading and unloading your vehicles will always involve your hangars, which presented the team with some unique challenges to address and overcome, starting with the next iteration of instanced hangars. Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. Another consistent, uh, persistent feedback that I get is, where are hangars? Almost every ship that you buy um, or package you get comes with an industrial VFG or whatever hanger. Like, what does that even mean? Well, here you go. Several, several patches ago, before I even started playing, they had hangers, but it was outside of the game. You would load in, you could do all the things inside of your hangar. That's, that's fine. But this is the future, the inference of what to expect from quote unquote instanced hangers. Super important. Keep listening. Instanced hangers solve a particular problem. How do we have people spending an extended period of time in their hangar loading cargo now that we've added the, these freight platforms, but also allow the locations to have traffic coming in and out of the landing zones? What we're doing here is decoupling the access to a hangar from the occupancy. And all that really means is that we can dynamically create these hangars at runtime and they're kind of set aside for players to spend time inside of. Without getting too much into it, right, you're going to have a, a personal space. We're just looking at ways that a lot more players can do this simultaneously. We don't want to have a big choke point of everybody trying to load their ships and unload and all trying to do that in the same space. So we have instance hangers as a way to, to put you in an area where you can feel comfortable, you can take the time that you want to load your or unload your cargo and you know really engage in that system the way that you choose. And but but Solus, an instance hanger, that means it's not true persistent entity streaming. It's not it's not true, you know, interacting with man, shut the f up, man. Like I I have already heard that. Since last week, I have already heard people say, oh, instance hangers, ah, they're, they're moving away or they're getting away from what Star Citizen is. I, I am getting very, very worn out by some of that sentiment. <laughs> it, you're gonna hear it in a couple of seconds. Yes, it's instanced. But yes, you can still invite your friends in. You can still invite people in. It's going to be seamless. What they're talking about is the experience from the ATC to when you're physically inside of your hangar. There's going to be a point of an instance where they're talking about decoupling and they're going to use some tech like, you know, tools or tech terms in the next couple of seconds. But the point is you won't realize it. It's like the smoke screen of what, you know, like load screens that are behind, like when you caught them travel. 
right? Like when you go up and down elevators or when you quantum travel, like your load screens are the rendering, which I can get into the level of detail and what that means and how much is rendered. I can get into all that eventually in some other podcast. Or I could have somebody on from CIEG who can speak to it better than I can, but just trust me here. It's, it's about like what you experience, what you experience, what the people around you experience. How can we make it seamless? No, they're not going to load all of Stanton and Pyro and the other 40 freaking systems on your client or server side. They're not going to do it. It's not scalable. It's not sustainable. But what they will do is they will make the rendering per user per localization, they're gonna make it where you don't experience the seams of what they're trying to do. I'm gonna shut up, I'm gonna let the video speak for it, but I I just, there are some sentiments in the community that I simply just won't um, subscribe to. And this is one of them. Do not come to me and, (laughs) and, and bitch about the instanced hangers it's needed and it's wanted and you're going to want to experience this here we go and so you can actually have your personal space to deal with cargo inside a hangar and depending on your ship you know there'll be different different situations and different locations for that but the thing with this one is that when you leave things gonna basically go away once you want to leave you'll just make a request to atc and the hangar will move into place we'll open up the doors and you'll be able to leave And then the same thing when landing, you make a request to ATC. The system will allocate the space for you, open the hangar and you can land. For the players, it will seem seamless, but underneath the hood, the system itself is going to be maintaining a representation of where all the players are, what requirements are needed, without having a bottleneck for players who are actually just trying to play the game otherwise. And then we have persistent hangers. Persistent hangers are kind of an evolution of instant hangers. And really what it is, is it's our first step towards real player ownership in the game beyond ships. The cool thing is that you'll be able to put your stuff in it. I had to pause it, I'm so sorry. Um, this is the piece that I want you to watch either on my stream or actually going and watching it yourself. They're actually inside of a persistent hanger um, with all of their gear, all of their, like a ship, actually multiple ships, gear the subscriber items it, it's it's this is so exciting to be watching come back to it and it's still gonna be there it's just whatever the player wants to keep inside their hangar that's their home they can just leave them lie around they can arrange them however they want be it weapons or cargo or dead corpses or, or whatever very very long term uh, i have no clue of any dates or anything but you'll be able to customize it and upgrade it so it becomes bigger you can have bigger ships in them and maybe at some point even having them like at distant location you could buy a second one uh, for now it's going to really be uh, on your own location it's persistent to you and your character and you can invite friends to your hangar you can load up your ship you can take the haul from your mission you know out of your ship and Right now there's like a video of like a party going on inside of the hangar. This is exactly what Authy was talking about in episode 24, of just hosting these org events or these small little parties within a persistent hangar. Uh, just my mind is running through all the potential, all the fun um, that could be coming from this. I 
can't wait. Blows my mind just thinking about it. Distribute it to your buddies. So persistence of hangers uh, is really important. This is going to be developed more in the future, and we're going to use the same technology that we're using to build this for other things in the game, such as player abs. And it's a real, I think, exciting way for the players to feel like they have a more permanent place in the game that they can call their own. I, I can't help but notice the ISC gameplay capture team snuck some conceptual visualization in there after all. What can I say? They love what they do. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that everything you're hearing about today is the current intention of the design team at the time that we film this. Now, as with all things you see and hear about on any ISC, it's always a work in progress and may, and often will, continue to evolve as development progresses and concepts are tested. Now, so far in our Design Brief cargo career, we've talked about how you'll move and store your boxes. So let's find out more about what happens inside those boxes going forward. With 3.20, we introduced a new packing system that allows us to use a larger set of box sizes right now. That includes one SEU, two, four, eight, 16, 24, and 32. However, with this new version of cargo coming out subsequently, we're gonna be adding the ability to have what we call inventory container box. Okay, really quick, just for my own sanity. What I've been calling an 18-wheeler or a Connex storage is actually a 32 SCU. So I'm gonna start calling it 32 SCU moving forward. So there you go. Boxes. Inventory actually plays a big part of cargo as well. When you look at the sheer scope of number of boxes and you know a number of weapons and armor and FPS entities that we have in our game, we really wanna make sure that not only is cargo physical physicalized, but that inventory has a proper location and place as well. If you go to Port Trestler and you hit I, you'll bring up the player inventory screen and you'll see that, okay, I have my access to Port Trestler inventory no matter where I am standing in the station. That's gonna go away. This is very important because what it means is it gives the players a way to transfer in a very clean and effective way all of the loose items that you collect during gameplay. The iPhone 15 is here, and this oh, is Oh, jeez. Killing me. A big change that's coming <laughs> up is going to be having problems. I'm going to have to subscribe to YouTube boxes. so that doesn't so happen. So that could be something like a box that's fragile. Or a box that could be radioactive. Or that needs to be kept cold. The other thing we're looking at with cargo and cargo boxes is the ability to store large items in your cargo boxes. This could be anything from a ship weapon uh, to even smaller vehicles like Grey Cats. That way when you're going with your friends, uh, you're gonna do a long haul across the verse. You can have these larger boxes filled to the brim with as many ship weapons as your ship is gonna carry. Anything that you think you wanna take with you and hold on to, now you can put them in an inventory container box, snap them into the cargo grid, and haul it into your ship. Additionally, you'll be able to take those to the freight platforms in order to put them into your inventories. So it gives a kind of universal way to haul things around in the game, as well as a way for players to be able to pirate player inventories now. 
Now that you have these goods that are locked up together in these inventory containers, it just takes a tractor beam in order to carry them off. So it gives a lot of gameplay possibilities for us to have with these loose items. A lot of these things will tie into missions and where you decide to place them on your ship. So we're really trying to make sure with cargo, it's not just a, a wide system, but that we're actually adding these kind of elements to help further gameplay, missions, and purpose. You guys had the week off. This is a design brief show. It's, it's talking and it's, it's intent and none of this stuff is ready to show yet. Don't you want a week off? Your stuff's so weird anyway. Just no, no weird stuff for cargo grid. Back to the spaceship. We have some additional changes that we're going to be making to the cargo grids that allow them to have any sized item attached into them. At the moment, we have effectively one kinds of items that attach to the cargo grids. Those are the cargo boxes, and they all have a similar size step on the dimension. What I just mean by that is they're all what we call one SEU length multiples on each side. We're going to have it to where anything can attach to the cargo grid, as long as it's a physical item in the game. Anything that you can grab with that tractor beam that can reasonably snap into place will be able to snap into place. And this is a requirement just to satisfy the inventory uh, changes that we're making now that you won't have this kind of magical access. But it also, I think, broadens the horizons about what your cargo grid uh, and all of your ships can be used for. I think it'll also open up a lot of fun gameplay around just figuring out how to arrange all these things in a way that works well. So yeah, that's part one of our talk about Design Brief Cargo Career. Next week, we'll be back with changes to vehicles and location inventory, larger cargo item support, kiosk changes, the item bank, and even unique item recovery. So come on back and get the full scope of things next week. All right, I'm going to do this quickly. Boom, boom. So basically, uh, NAPU is next uh, episode. what we like to call it. Uh, it was like USPU before. We had MTLPU, we had the Austin guys. I'm not sure if they had an acronym. So I guess North America PU is made sense. Do you like NABU as a name? Yeah, it's, it's all right. It sounds like NABU almost. Why should we care about cargo? Or why should you care about cargo? And to me, the answer is because I never thought of Star Citizen as just a FPS. In fact, I would say the thing that makes me the most excited about Star Citizen is that it's a whole world of people who have their own ambitions and goals and they're interested in different things. And to me, cargo represents a way to get into the world, to play with your friends in order to engage with other players even in this dynamic way. You have all of this player interaction that comes around hauling the cargo, feeling I can't agree with that anymore. Um, what he just said, or what they just said, was was crucial. Like Starfield, Baldur's Gate Three, like any other game, is 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 attractive to a certain type of gamer. Like even in Starfield, you're 
like you're an RPG, you're a Bethesda fan, you want to have a story in space um, with choice, right? Like, I don't know, it's still pretty prescriptive, right? But with Star Citizen, the point that he just made is that if you if you want to be it, you can be it. If you want to go in and just salvage, and that's that's your shtick, that's what you want to do for two hours in Star Citizen, you can do that for two hours in Star Citizen. His point about cargo career, if you wanted to come and just haul ships, that is an entire loop. And I've talked about it before on other episodes. I talked about it with Authy last episode. It's its own loop. Cargo, cargo in and of itself is like an entire game. You're going to need to have security to... to escort the whole e you know from pyro to stanton you're gonna need to have all of the exploration to find out where things are to load up your ship um you're gonna need like i said security you're gonna need logistics you're gonna need um all, all of it a refueler right you're gonna need a starfarer to come in and refuel your ship like these are all these all loops come into cargo or cargo hauling and that's the beauty of, in my opinion, that's the beauty of the logistics supply chain loop in Star Citizen. And with pirates hiring people to defend yourself from pirates, and it generates this whole kind of economy and, and simulation of player interactivity. And I think this kind of thing is at the root of what makes Star Citizen special. Today in the game, we've had all of this, what I call instantaneous cargo. When you're in the real physical world, things don't just appear and disappear in your car, right? A person going to Costco, they don't just click on a few things in the kiosk and it magically appear at the back trunk of their car. That kind of magic way of, of opening inventory is gonna disappear and it's gonna become that warehouse inventory. With these new changes with the freight platform and the cargo grid and inventory container boxes and needing to move things manually with the tractor beam, it is gonna add a certain amount of friction into that whole experience. The benefit of manual loading is really that you get to choose how you organize your cargo and how you get to load it on your ship. You know, you've got one guy that's loading the bigger boxes with the vehicles. You have your other friend that's loading in, you know, your ship weapons. Another maybe is loading up commodities for a long haul. And you can organize that, snap everything to the cargo grid, tractor beam it onto your ship and head out with your friends for an adventure across the verse. The cargo career is at the heart of what Star Citizen aims to achieve. Not just a universe of exploration and conflict, but one of commerce and opportunity as well. And last week we shared the first part of its next iteration with a discussion of freight elevators, instanced and persistent hangars, varied cargo boxes, and a new cargo grid that'll expand the possibilities of your ships in new and exciting ways. So here in part two, we're gonna dive a little deeper into the systems underpinning it all starting with how we intend inventory to evolve next. This is huge. Pay attention. Future of inventory. And speaking of inventory changes, this leads us to what I think is one of the other very big transformations that's happening with these new sets of features. So instead of having something like a, a magical bag of holding, you actually have a place where you can go to put your items, to store them, and you know that it's safe uh, while you go out and do future travels. One thing that we want to do is really kind of physicalize inventory in terms of 
you need to be at a specific location to use that inventory and management. So this gives us a lot of benefit uh, across the game where you know exactly where your stuff is and where to get it and where to go to organize it. Now you'll be accessing that inventory via the freight platform and the hangers. You'll be using the freight platform to put it down. If you want to take something out, you use the freight platform to take it out. And you can use these inventory container boxes that, that I mentioned previously in order to optimize that kind of hauling. Let's say you realize you have a lot of guns that you want to take with you. Well, in the kiosk inventory management screen, you can move those items into a single box to aggregate them together so that you just use one pass with the tractor beam in order to move it all onto your ship. It also means that you'll have the ability to haul larger things in the game more efficiently by taking them and putting them into these larger boxes, such as ship items that maybe you purchased or stole. If you want to do some kind of uh, underground assaulting mission, you just bring your big guns and everything, and you also load that into your ship. So everything is going to be really physicalized and no more kind of magic stuff popping here and there. So this is, this is what comes to my mind. So how many of you have been on a bunker mission uh, or a cave mission? And you get there and there's all the ore, there's all the bodies to loot, uh, but there's just no good way. Like even if you were to bring a one SCU box with you and load that of, you know, ore, um, it does have its like finite cap, but hear me out. Imagine taking like a 32 SCU container and putting that at the mouth of the cave. You put it there, or at least as far into the cave as you can, and you can just load that container up with everything, loot or bodies, anything you want to. You just load that box or that container up as, as, as stuffed as you can, and then you just put that 32 SCU, SCU box on the back of your MSR. That makes it significantly easier. One last pull. On the actual bunker missions where you take the elevator down and you get off and you conduct whatever mission it is inside the actual bunker, you can put a massive container, not a 32 SCU, but you can put a massive container on the elevator and send that down. And so while you're looting the bunker, you just have to go to the elevator and load that box up. Instead of going up and down a million times to your ship, you just, again, have that container that lowered down on the elevator with you. Um, I think they're called UGFs, underground facilities. So the layout's gonna be different. It's gonna change in the next couple of patches. But that's the kind of concept. It almost makes looting in every other game loop a lot easier. Um, it makes the shit that you take into these missions different. Maybe you would take your pirate Gladius, as an example, uh, during a bounty mission or during you know this this bunker mission because it's a bounty or it's a mercenary mission. Uh, but now you're gonna take the MSR because you can put a 32 SCU container in the back of it. But it just changes the way all gameplay loops are addressed, in my opinion. In addition to the freight platform access, we want to give players the ability to access smaller items without having to go to a hangar. And for this, we're going to add some kind of what I call an item bank. And this is just like a secure box kind of access point in the landing zone so that you don't have to go to a hangar and it'll look very similar to the, the other personal inventory interactions. And you can move smaller items around there, such as handguns or metapins. But again, tying it to a physical location in the game and getting rid of this kind of magic. 
We're taking that and also applying it to the inventory in the vehicles. Right now in the game, you can hit I while you're inside of a vehicle and you'll see a similar kind of invisible magical inventory for the vehicle. We're gonna be getting rid of that and instead replacing it with a combination of access points like glove compartments in the ship, as well as those inventory container boxes so that you'll still be able to haul personal items and larger vehicle parts between locations in the game, but you'll have to do it in a way that's physically tied to actual entities that are attached to the cargo grid, as well as exposing it in a way for people to be able to reclaim them from a wreckage or maybe even pirate. So, lots of changes coming with everything being physicalized, everything stored in boxes, and no more magic bag of holding. But how will you inventory your inventory? Well, that's where the new hangar kiosk comes into play. Freight elevators are going to be implemented as an access point inside of player hangars. And you'll use a kiosk to interact with the freight platform in order to call things up from your inventory or to put things into your inventory. The player controls the freight elevator through the freight elevator kiosk because we have to coordinate between three different doors. The kiosk is what determines when the door should open, when the door should close, when the cargo get loaded and all that stuff. So that is the physical thing that's basically gonna bring up cargo for you and then also like take cargo from you when you sell it. The kiosk is gonna be the center point of the hangar. This is really where you will you'll manage everything. So it's not just the cargo stuff that you manage through the kiosk. You will be able to manage your inventory, uh, basically bringing up the stuff, sending it back. It's also gonna be those small items. You also gonna have to have some sort of uh, inventory box that you will be able to, to interact with, to put stuff in it. Basically everything is gonna go through that kiosk. So everything is central to the kiosk. It's easy to see how all of this will redefine the open sandbox experience at the core of Star Citizen's persistent universe. But what if a cargo career isn't for you? What if you just like to run the occasional mission? Don't want to spend your time loading boxes or prefer speculating on the market economy around it all? Well, the purview of Napu is to construe for you, too. We are going to have missions in the game that latch onto this. So for example, you'll be able to take a mission where a corporation like Crusader will ask you to haul their cargo for them. And this is an opportunity for players to engage with this kind of gameplay of hauling and manual loading without having such a large uh, investment in the game. Right now, cargo has largely been required to have a large investment, speculation, and risk on the part of the players. And where we're going is we're gonna be reducing that risk for certain sets of players who don't want to engage with that kind of speculation while still allowing them to have this kind of fun, manual loading, kind of packing experience. On the other hand, if the thing that you are more interested in is that kind of speculation and that kind of trading and wheeling and dealing and trying to just cut the best profit, we are still going to have a certain amount of automated loading in the game. It just won't be instantaneous. You'll have to use a service. It'll cost a little bit more. It'll take time. You won't have access to your ship while it's being loaded. But, you know, depending on the kinds of gameplay that you're looking for, if you enjoy that more physical kind of gameplay, we'll have that there for you. If you're more interested in just kind of profit trading, we'll also have a path for you there too. So I think 
in this kind of new world of, of cargo and, and all these new features that we're coming out with, we're trying to make sure that for all the people that are looking to play with this, that there's something there for them. I, I was debating whether or not to come off mute on that one. Guys, I, I, when you start thinking about like Starfield and all these other games and you start comparing it with Star Citizen and you know you wonder why this game is is been in alpha for 11 years it's because they're trying to please everybody and and i need you i want you as a listener as a viewer i i, I want you to be okay with that like they're trying their best to make this a pleasant experience for all types of gamers we just talked about different game styles and and people wanting to play you know salvaging versus cargo versus bounty versus mercenary versus uh you know science versus research versus exploration i could keep going they they have all these different types of fully fledged uh loops but they're also trying to take into account those gamers that just want to hop in for 10 minutes and execute mission and then take off Not everybody wants to physically move item by item, and they recognize that. I, I, you know, you look at you look at Starfield. uh, You know, first off, stop. Starfield's an amazing game. I love it. Ah, eight out of ten, phenomenal. Go for it. But they didn't do the same due diligence as Star Citizen. No other game has done the same due diligence as Star Citizen is trying to do in order to make everybody happy. Are they going to? Clearly not. Obviously not. Go on the social media for 10 minutes. That'll tell you the story. But they're trying their best. And I love the intent. I love the vision. I love what they're trying to accomplish. That frankly has just never been attempted or accomplished before. And of course, all of this comes with a large amount of economy tuning that's going to need to rebalance things now that we have physicalized movement, guaranteed friction on the transactions. So all of these things we can use to rebalance it and hopefully make it to where if you're interested in taking high risks, there's a path for you to maybe get a better profit. Vice versa, if you don't want to, there's still a way for you to be able to play the game and not be overly punished. That's going to be an ongoing endeavor and we'll talk more about that as we get closer to release. So lots of changes coming to Star Citizen with the work being done by the North America Persistent Universe team. So let's go ahead and let them bring it all home and see if we can't maybe just sneak in one more tiny big addition people have been waiting for too. Another big thing that we're working on is unique item recovery. This is something that the fans have been asking for for a long time, and we're hoping that it's really gonna finally resolve this problem of losing items or losing items mid-mission. It looks like a simple subject, but there's a lot of little things to think about, like people buying some, some gear, giving to their friend, and claiming back what happens to the version that was uh, given to their friends, or even like if your body gets looted by somebody, how do we want to kind of cope with that? So one of the ideas- So this is very important with the latest uh, packages or starter packs. So some of the latest like starter packs are also now uh, career gear. So like career outfit, career weapons, but people that are starting out for the very first time ever are dying for the first time with it. And they're like, hey, where's, 
where's the gear that I spent money on? It doesn't exist anymore. I can't get it back. This is what they're talking about. It's it's this item that you buy with real money, the subscriber flare. Um, I mean, I guess the subscriber flare, I'm trying to think of other examples in this current moment, but it's a way to get all of those, uh, all that equipment and all those pieces back. Ideas that we have running right now is that you would have a lost and found within your hat. So if you're playing, your mission crashes, you lose your progress, but you can go back to your hab, restart that mission, grab that item, and continue on where you left off. And we're really hoping to apply this to subscriber items and other unique items as well. I think in the long run, we have a lot of plans. Just really trying to build out a feature set that can incorporate a lot of different ships, that can incorporate your teams, that allows you to be more in control and allows you to try to find the best ways that work for you um, and your group. And right now, that's the main thing we're working on. Our universe uh, is big. We're going to keep building more systems, more planets, and we really want to find a way to make that exciting. We want to have you take goods from one planet to the other, explore places that you haven't seen. Loading up, organizing all of your gear, all of your equipment, having it snapped to a grid, uh, keeping everything safe. And it's a huge part of Star Citizen and where we want to go with the game. That is a summary of that we're working towards for physicalized cargo. Now, this is going to be an ongoing process, starting with the first set of changes coming out with 320, automated loading in the whole, with the whole sea and the new packing system that's coming out there. But we'll continue this work of adding these things like freight elevators, hangar instancing, persistent hangars, inventory containers, all of that and continuing into subsequent releases. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about it, and I think I'll be back a few more times to get into more details about those things. I look forward to seeing what they're developing in the future and, and then uh, also showing it off to the, the community and team. So what did we learn the last two weeks? Whew. Well, we learned that freight elevators will allow us to fulfill the dream of fully physicalized cargo. The instance hangers will give us the time to load and unload our ships without creating too many traffic jams. That persistent hangers will be the first real estate players can decorate and call their very own. That cargo boxes are expanding to hold all kinds of stuff from personal inventory to ship weapons to even some small vehicles themselves. That this all means a new way of storing and moving your inventory all around the galaxy. Utilizing the new hangar kiosk will certainly help that everything from missions to economy will expand and rebalance to accommodate for this, that there's still going to be some automated options for those willing to spend the time or the money, and that there's finally a light at the end of the tunnel for lost items in the works. Well, you could say it's a pretty good haul overall. <laughs> I'm not usually the pun guy. Now, don't forget that Alpha 320 is out there for everyone to play, and that CitizenCon is just four weeks away. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. Thanks for letting us share the process of game development with you, and we'll see you all here next week. And breathe. Love it. Uh, and that's it, guys. That's the show. That's the episode 25. Uh, I, Whether you're a Star Wars, Star Trek, um, The Expanse, I just started reading book one of The Expanse any one of those stories like this inside star citizen citizen should excite you 
the idea of decorating and living in your own hangar and making it yours that persists over time. I'm thinking like the housing system in Elder Scrolls Online, the housing system in Fallout 76, you know, all these great games that have come before us. Here it is in space. So if if your shtick is in space, like I'm so there is no competition that Star Citizen is the home for space gamers in the future and beyond. I, it, it, I cannot wait. And that's why so much stock was put into Inside Star Citizen, for me anyways, um, from last week's part one and this week's part two. Uh, ab- absolutely incredible. Um, lost of words. Lost of words. So that's it, guys. If you want to be part of the conversation, listen. And whatever platform you watch or listen, give us a rating. Um, if you listen on Spotify, if you listen on Apple the apple podcasts give us a five-star review and put a comment in there and we're going to read it live we still don't have any reviews we have again 2,000 listens on podcast over 200 subscribers on youtube um not a lot of reviews to discuss i would love to hear your feedback it brings more of the community into this conversation uh, so please feel free to go in like subscribe do all the things um, but that's one way to get involved I, w- I will read all comments all all comments all reviews live on air you can also email us at contact at beyond the verse hq.com um bitches gripes complaints emotional outbursts anything that you like i will read it live and we will have a discussion quickly at the beginning of each podcast um last but not least safe travels as you go beyond the verse take care everybody until next week